So let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes for a few minutes. And since David, I didn't know this, warmed us up, I'd like you to think about that. You're the Apostle Paul. You're imprisoned. What thoughts are filling your mind? What are your feelings? What, what's your thought process? And what are you feeling deep down in your heart, in your soul? All these false accusations, misunderstanding, people always threatening your life. You're imprisoned falsely. Disregard for the truth, disregard for your motives. What's your mindset right now? I didn't know when I was asking that question that there would be brothers and sisters who were taken hostage in Haiti this morning. So what I want you to do is take a few minutes with your neighbors again, or by yourself if you're more comfortable that way, whatever, but just think about how would you respond to that situation if you were the Apostle Paul or these people in Haiti right now? What's your mindset? What are you thinking? Um, what are you feeling? What's your thoughts about God? Go ahead and talk about that. Put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. Let's do that. Go ahead, make some noise. I'm going to have to interrupt. <laughs> Sorry about that. You can continue these on, showing your pictures, talking about how you're feeling. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe in your current life situation, you're feeling a little imprisoned. You're wondering what God is doing. You're, you're wondering what to do. Where do you turn for comfort? Where do you turn to for strength? I don't know if the Apostle Paul did, but I can imagine him looking at Psalm 56. And would you just take a minute, and if you have your Bible open, turn to Psalm 56. I want to read the whole psalm because it's only 12 verses, but think about being the Apostle Paul, or think about being those hostages in Haiti right now, and listen to David's cry, King David's cry through Psalm 56, and see if it doesn't help. See if it doesn't apply. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vow to you, O God. I will re render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Wow, what a great psalm for situations that other people were in, that we might find ourselves in. Maybe we're sensing that even today in our lives. 
back to Acts chapter 23. The Lord was comforting Paul. Uh, David read verse 11 of that chapter. The Lord came next to Paul and stood by him. <laughs> Take courage, the Lord is near. What a great thought for us today. And he told Paul, you will testify for me in Rome. That was Paul's dream. We read about that in chapter 19, verse 21. The God, I, I believe God had put that inclination in his heart that he wanted to not only go to Jerusalem, but then he wanted to go to Rome and to regions beyond. And, and God confirmed that, that inclination in Paul's heart that you are in the middle of my will and this is going to happen. Today, I want us to remember this because Jesus is God and Savior. He understands our struggles and we can have strength, courageous strength, when life seems to be against us, when people seem to be out to get us. Because Jesus is the savior, save, <laughs> excuse me, the sovereign ruler over all the universe, we can have courageous peace, even though there's turmoil. We have triumph over our circumstances because our God is for us. And because Jesus is our keeper, we can have courageous patience to endure because we know that he is with us and we can rest in his plans. So take courage. Believe it's true that the Lord is standing by you this morning if you're a child of God. He's with us. And let's allow this truth to transform our thinking. I certainly need it to allow it to transform how I live my life and what I do when I leave here today. So let's take a quick look at chapter 23. Courageous strength because Jesus is our God and Savior. That focus, the focus is on verse 11. Take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify about me in Rome. We need to understand the God who stands beside us. Know who he is and know his heart and know that he's caring for us. God, God is always near his people. We know that's true, right? We, we, at least if we read God's word, we know that he always stands by his people. But there's something really precious about the new covenant. The fact that Jesus has shed his blood for us. He established a new covenant by his blood and he, God is always near the whole world, but he's especially near his people. But now Christ is not only near us, but he's living in us. <laughs> Can you get any closer? In Hebrews chapter 12, I invite you to turn there. Because there's this comparison between the old covenant, Moses' law, and the new covenant that Jesus established. And it's just this beautiful picture. I want to read starting at verse 18. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews is comparing the old to the new. And, and he's saying the old covenant was like this compared to the new. In verse 18 it says, For you have not come to what may be touched may not be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. 
What's that describing is found in, in Exodus chapter 19. And we won't take time to, to turn to that passage today, but you can make a note if you're taking notes. Look at Exodus 19. That's a description of when God came down on Mount Sinai when he was given the, the commandments to Moses. And the people were told, don't go near the mountain. Don't touch the mountain or you're going to have to be stoned because it's holy. And, and lightning and fire and a cloud and all the whole earth was shaking. It was terrifying. And the people said, Moses, you go up and talk to God. We're going to go back to our tents and, and you come down and tell us what God. It was terrifying. That's a picture of the law. The law was good. God's commandments are good and faithful, but they didn't give us the righteousness we need. They just showed us that we fall short of God's glory and his goodness and his righteousness. And that's why Christ came to shed his blood, because that's what it says then in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festive gathering and festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel showed what faith could do. It speaks to us. It shows us that God takes care of his own. But Jesus' blood is better because it not only shows us what faith does, but it makes us clean. It saves us to all who believe. So it's a better showing. So compare God in the Old Testament this picture of this mountain that everyone's afraid and they're stepping back from to Jesus. What was John's description in his gospel? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then in 1 John, his first letter, John wrote this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. Think about the contrast there. Don't touch the mountain. And Jesus comes so that we can see him and hear him and touch him. That's an amazing truth. This is the God and this is his heart that loves you and died for you and wants you to live with him forever in paradise, in a new garden of Eden. He's, that's what he's offering to the world, if the world would just accept it. Isaiah has a beautiful description of him in Isaiah chapter 42. You know, he wouldn't put out a, a smoking wick or break a, a, a reed, a tender reed. He, he's so gentle. This is our God. This is our Savior. The one the world needs to meet. Jesus is God Almighty. And when he returns in power, in mighty power, it's going to be terrifying. 
Unbelieving people are going to be terrified when Jesus comes back. And his judgment is going to be quick and furious because they've refused, they've ignored the truth that Jesus is the Savior, that he died for their sins and they can have life. They, they've refused that and he will judge them for it. God does not send them to hell. They choose to be separated from God for forever. And God will let that be. And we should be terrified of Jesus, by the way. Think about how the earth shook when Noah's flood happened. The heavens shook and, and, and just poured down rain and the earth opened up and water came up. <laughs> Terrifying. And the earth shook when Sodom and Gomorrah was judged with fire. Terrifying. Terrifying when God came down on Mount Zion. But there's something different <laughs> with Jesus. Right now he's offering us eternal life. Again, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, it says this in verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. And Jesus is the word of God that's speaking. And he's saying, I've come not to condemn, but to give you life. Don't refuse that offer. He's gentle and lowly and he died for us. See to it that you do not refuse him because people refused it in Noah's day and they were judged. People refused it in Sodom's day when God spoke to them through Lot and through the angels and they were judged for it. God gives us new hearts. Don't ignore it. The earth shook at Mount Sinai. The earth shook at Noah's flood. The earth shook when Sodom and Megorah Gomorrah was judged, and it'll shake again when Jesus comes back. Don't refuse his salvation. But believer, take courage. Do you feel like the earth's shaking right now in turmoil? Take courage. Love and obey the Lord God as you grow in understanding of his mighty power and let that give you courage to follow him and, and give us Jesus's life-giving words out to people wisely, you know, like we talked about last week. Wise as serpent and gentle as doves. Know your culture, know how to speak into it. There's lots of opportunities to do that. Jesus came by and stood by Paul and his sympathy ran deep for him. So if you are troubled in your life right now, just know Jesus understands and he's standing by you or he will be standing by you when you face something terrible and he's there and he understands. This isn't pity because that's insulting. This is sympathy because he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood by family. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by his friends. He knows what it's like to be lied about and falsely accused and misunderstood. He knows the despair of feeling alone. The sadness felt at a grave of a friend, of a loved one. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He stood by Paul because he understood. Jesus knows your life, women. Jesus knows your life, men. He understands. He was tempted just as we are. And he's there to stand by us and to help us through. Let that give you courage. Let that fill us with strength to follow Jesus because he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. We may forsake him, but he will never forsake you. That's your Savior. That's your God. 
Secondly, we can have courageous peace because Jesus is the sovereign ruler. In verses 12 through 30 of Acts chapter 23, back to Acts, <laughs> we see how God stands by us, the way he stands by Paul and encourages him, gives him courage, assures him of his presence. And then I had, David read about this plot uh, against Paul's life. Here we go again, right, Paul? Always after him, preaching the gospel, doing God's work, and he's always getting in trouble for it. It just shows us how much, before we know God, how much we refuse God and hate God and hate his messengers. Many of us were like that, I suppose. But here are trustworthy words. Paul's story gives us triumph because Jesus can be trusted. Truly, truly, I say to you, Paul, you're going to spoke for me in Jerusalem. Don't worry. Don't worry about this plot on your life. I've promised you, you're going to speak in Rome. If Paul believed the bad words or the negative message, you're going to get in trouble in Jerusalem, it came true. He could believe Jesus' words to him that are happier. He testified for, about me in Jerusalem. You're going to get to do it in Rome. I'm not done with it yet, Paul. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, whoever hears my words and believe in him who sent me has eternal life. Have you believed that? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, guaranteed. If we lean on him, trust in him, depend on him, have faith in him. Therefore, since we are justified by faith or believing, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Triumph at peace in every circumstance because Jesus is our sovereign ruler. He's always watching over your life. You know, I like this story in Paul in this situation with his nephew hearing the plot. No big miracles. No angel opening the prison door for Paul like God did for Peter. Nothing fantastic, just normal, everyday circumstances. But God was in control. He was leading Paul. He was watching over Paul. And that's a picture for us. His nephew was in the right place in verses 12 through 16. We don't know how his nephew overheard this plot. I mean, what made him walk down that alley? What made him decide to take the garbage out at that moment? <laughs> I'm just trying to make it contemporary picture. I don't know how, we don't know, but he was there and he heard Paul's name somehow and that tweaked his interest and he heard the plot and he could rescue his uncle. The Tribune, whose heart... In verses 17 through 22, we didn't read them, but they were, you can take a moment to look at those. They were bent toward helping Paul. He kind of realized that the Jewish leaders hated Paul and the charges against him were all trumped up. They really weren't solid things. There wasn't anything that Rome could do about this. This was Jewish uh, religious stuff, not Roman breaking the law stuff. So there was no reason for Paul to be executed or put to death. God turned his heart to watch over his servant. 
the sovereign Lord's in charge. Hey, believers in Christ, I don't know if you're young or old, but take a look back over your life. Do one of those flash moments here, you know. How many miraculous things have God done for you? Or has he just been working sovereignly, his good providence, we call it, watching over your life, leading and guiding you? You know the story of Esther? Esther chapter 5, chapter 6. Read it sometime this week if you don't remember that story. One night the king could not sleep and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds. (laughs) How do you like to title that book? (laughs) The book of memorable deeds. That's almost Monty Python-like. Anyway. All right, good. Some of you know them. And they were read before the king. And Mordecai's name happened to be in there because he had stopped a plot of an assassination plot to rescue the king. And nothing had ever been done for Mordecai to recognize him. And the king said, we got to do something for that guy. And it so happened the next day when he mentioned it to wicked Haman, who wanted to kill Mordecai because he was a Jew and wouldn't bow down to him when he walked into the king's palace. He wanted to have him executed. The king wanted to honor Mordecai, and Haman actually had to lead the horse and cry out, you know, hail Mordecai, rescuer of the king. The sovereign king of the universe is your king, is your leader. He's watching over your life like he's watching over Mordecai's life, like he's watching over the apostle Paul's life, like he's watching over those missionaries in Haiti's life right now. And whether they live or die, and we pray for life and mercy, they are in his hands. Take hold of this truth, people of God. We all need to do it and take courage and peace that the Lord is, the Lord is watching over our lives so we can trust him and follow him. Who moved in this young boy's heart to go to summer Bible camp in 1968? I didn't go to summer Bible camp every summer. But what moved me that summer? And who moved in the counselor's heart to really press the gospel and to invite his cabin full of sixth grade boys or fifth and sixth grade boys to raise their hands, you know, bow your head and close your eyes and raise your hand if you want to receive Christ or talk about it some more. And I did not want to raise my hand, but it went up anyway. And then the hardest thing in all my life, Friday night campfire where you're supposed to testify. And, you know, I waited till the very end and I stood up and said, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. That was the sovereign God moving in my life. Nothing miraculous, nothing to say, wow, Red Sea opening up, fire coming down from heaven, but God just leading and working. God's worked in your life the same way. Remember it. Think about it and ponder it and trust him more. He's a sovereign, mighty, and moves in the little things to save us from sin, to save us from death, to save us from perils we don't even know that we missed. 
because he was watching over our lives. See God working through your life, his grace at work. You are here today because of God's goodness and grace. And I believe he wanted you to hear this message. Some way, somehow, maybe. (laughs) But God's at work. He's the sovereign ruler, Jesus Christ. Believe it and know it and walk. He's walking with us and watching over our lives. Thirdly, courageous patience. We can be courageous and strong because of Jesus Christ. We can have peace in the midst of our circumstances because he's the sovereign ruler over our lives. It's all about Jesus. Sounds trite, but it's not, is it? And because he's our keeper. In chapter 23, look at verses of Acts. Look at verses 31 through 35. I want to read those verses with you. Verse 31. So Paul has this 200 soldiers, 70 of them on horseback, and Paul gets to ride a horse, protected by Roman government soldiers from the, these 40 people who wanted to kill him. God's protecting him. He gets to ride a horse. He's probably sore and bruised and maybe he couldn't walk real fast from his beatings from the mob before this. We don't know. But God's taking care of him. And they're moving him on away from Jerusalem to keep him safe. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul, verse 31, and brought that night to Antipatris. Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Now I have a little picture. You can show that now. Yeah, here's a sketch of this retreat that's up in Caesarea. That's north of Jerusalem, down on the coast. Now, what's really cool is to show the next picture. That's a little line sketch. Whoa, nice view. Now, I don't know or I don't want to tell you that Paul was in a luxury suite. (laughs) But I want you to know that a little bit later on, we'll read it next week in chapter 24, that Felix gave him a lot of freedom and he could have company. I have a feeling he was, he was walled in and protected from his enemies and he got to wander around out looking out over the Mediterranean Ocean. And he was there for two years, waiting, wondering what God was doing. When am I going to get to Rome? You said I'm going to get to Rome. I had my bags packed a long time ago. I don't know what Paul was doing. Luke doesn't tell us. God doesn't want us to know. But I know what Paul was always busy doing. Encouraging the saints. Praying for his fellow believers in those churches that gave him a lot of love and grief all at the same time. Doing the work of the ministry. Pretty cool, isn't it? Mediterranean ocean view for two years. I don't know. Think about it. A table prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You know who King Herod was? 
This is the Herod that wanted to have Jesus killed when he was an infant. He had that place built as a getaway place, right? A cottage along the ocean. So the enemy of God is now taking care of the servant of God because God's the sovereign ruler and he's his people's keeper. Think about how that applies to your life. You know, one day, well, right now, Rome was actually protecting the Christian church. It was the Roman roads, the Roman laws, the Roman infrastructure that was letting the gospel of Christ spread. Sovereign God, the keeper of his people, standing near them, using the world of men to spread his better law and better kingdom into all that world. And one day Rome's not going to be so friendly because in a few years Paul would die at the hand of the emperor Nero. But in the meantime, (laughs) Jesus is taking care of them now and then for forever. So don't put your trust in princes, but put your trust in the creator God, your savior, your leader, your guide, the sovereign one, the mighty one, the keeper one. By the way, is Rome here today in all might and power? Or is God's kingdom ever expanding and growing? Let's take advantage of our global situation that we're in right now to spread the gospel, to live the gospel, because there's one Lord in charge. You prepare before me, before my enemies, a table. Prepared tables. Paul is a living example of how God treats us before our enemies. He's with us. And he gives us triumph and victory. We're safe and secure in his strong, keeping hands. I just want to turn back to Psalm 56. And remind us again that we can be courageous because we believe in Jesus Christ. He's our strong savior and he gives us strength. He's a sovereign ruler, so he gives us peace. And we know that we are, uh, he's working out his perfect plans in our life. And we can believe that and trust it. He will never let us go. He's our keeper. He never loses his followers. He doesn't let them slip through his hands. This I know, that God is for me. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Let's pray. Lord, we know you are for us. And there's no power in this world, there's no power in heaven that can tear us away from your hands, your salvation, your goodness. You walk with us in life and death. Lord, impress that on our hearts to give us courage so we live boldly for you, so we live wisely for you, So we have peace in our mind and in our hearts because you're our sovereign God and keeper. Lord, as we remember Paul, remind us that you care for us exactly the same way. And we'll give you praise and thanks because we want to live for you for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.